a very warm welcome to our Whispers of the Soul podcast, where we host conscious conversations with a spiritual and soulful twist. We and our guest speakers talk about life-changing events orchestrated from our soul, so that we can raise the profile of our quieter and more softer voice that comes from our intuition. So stay with us for your next soul download. Whispers of the soul. Well, hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Whispers of the Soul. I am Sally. And I'm Sibby. Um, and we've got a fabulous guest lined up for you today, um, Squash Falconer. And I would like to introduce her for you lovely listeners. Um, Squash was the first British woman to uh, summit Mont Blanc and uh, paraglide from the top having ridden there on her motorbike a record-breaking adventurer and speaker she captivates uh, corporate audiences with her daring tales which we're going to be sharing with you yeah. listeners uh, today on the podcast um from reaching the summit of everest um and becoming the world's highest bomb border we're going to ask you about that squash because we're not sure what bumboarding. i is. had to have a bit of a giggle <laughs> I thought, is that the same as me falling down the stairs on the washing, I suspect. <laughs> Probably not. Um, so teamwork, resilience, discipline, uh, motivation and adaptability, all things we need this time of year, um, are key elements to her achievements. Um, and she uses film and TV to share her adventures. Um, so Squash has uh, self-shot many of her trips and received accolade for her work. Um, so that's so awesome. And a very, very warm welcome, Squash. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. It's lovely to have you. I might just share how how yes. you kind of came into my life, as it were. Interesting story. But um, yeah, so I, I met your mum. I'd never met you, but we were creating vision boards and um, it was somebody else, a mutual friend was running a workshop and um, we were doing it very randomly. And I ended up um, with a picture of a falcon on mine. Um, well, actually, somebody holding a falcon. And I I had no idea what that meant. I was like, I okay, <laughs> that's totally random. And I found out later that, um, obviously, I was sat opposite your mum, and I found yeah. out that her daughter was Squash Faulkner. And I was that's like, amazing, that is isn't it? Totally bizarre. And now, I mean, that was quite a few years ago. But now you're here. So I feel like that was kind of, I'm going to get that vision board out, actually, and look you, at it. You called her in. I called you in. With the vision board. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Isn't what a it? fantastic story. Yeah, I don't know if my mum does know that. Well, she may not, this actually. She'll find out. You'll have yeah, because I guess at the time, things aren't relevant, are they? And then when you discover them afterwards, that's that's the yeah. magic to these boards. Exactly. I'm going to get that board out and see if anything else has uh, come true. <laughs> Maybe there's a picture of a microphone. Oh, there might be. You know, well, it might be, yeah. Podcast. <laughs> anyway, I guess so that you met her before you even started the podcast. Yes, years ago. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that? Yeah. So well, she actually told me about you, and then literally, I think the next day you emailed me. That's right. And so there was that kind of strange coincidence. Strange coincidence. I'm on the phone. I said, "You're not going to believe who's contacted me to be on the <laughs> podcast after she told me about you." Yes. So yeah, there's definitely a few coincidences. Oh, I feel like I'm meant wow. to be here this morning. I yeah. do. Like the universe has engineered it somehow. I love. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's loads of um, synchronicities. Isn't yeah. There? Yeah. All uh, led to this moment. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, you know, for people listening, I think 
just you know looking at some of the things that you've done um and you know looking at your website and having meeting you talking to you now it's just you have such an extraordinary journey um and all of your adventures that you've done yeah because I was also wondering about your drive as well um the plan was (laughs) never to do all of this you know I, I grew up on a farm and initially I thought I wanted to be a farmer and it wasn't until later on that I kind of um explored different things and and I I went from wanting to be a farmer to being convinced by my teachers at school that being a vet would be a good thing to aim for so kind of the idea of being a vet was sort of sold to me and I realized at 15 16 when I was sort of on track having picked my subjects to be a vet that that isn't really what I wanted to do but because I'd spent quite a few years absolutely focused that that was what I was going to do I hadn't thought about what I wanted to do and I was quite lost. And that's when one of my best friends, she um, wasn't going to do her A-levels and she wanted to go and do a ski season. And I just thought, oh, this is a brilliant idea. I'll do my A-levels and I'll take a gap year and I'll go and do a ski season. And it was great because I kind of went into a world that I'd never sort of really experienced before. came out to France, to the mountains, did a ski season and I met some people that were into endurance adventure races and they got me involved in that. So it kind of it all evolved. And obviously, when I did my ski season from where I was in France, I had these views of spectacular mountain ranges. And one of the mountains that I could see was Mont Blanc. And I used to look at it and think, oh, people climb that mountain. You know, I'd love to do that one day. But obviously, at the time, I wasn't a mountaineer in that. It kind of wasn't even an option. You know, when something isn't even when something isn't possible or that your close friends or family don't perhaps do, you don't even consider it. So yeah. still at the point I hadn't even considered it but it was the group of friends who were doing these endurance races that got me involved and they were actually going to climb Aconcagua in Argentina one of the seven summits and I happened to be around at their house when they were discussing the trip and I've got I'm definitely quite positive and I like to go for things in life and I I think that's you know that's a lot that's a lot to do with my mum my parents and my upbringing which I'm incredibly grateful for and as they were talking about this trip I said oh you know I'd love to do something like that and they just all said well come squash you know why not and instead of thinking oh no I probably shouldn't I can't I was just like yeah how do I do it and that was that was really the beginning um of, of the climbing so I went and climbed that peak with them and then things sort of evolved and went from there wow that's so that's so awesome because even in that story you can see the kind of lessons that you could mm. that you could you know sort of share with people like there's that 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 knowing that that opening yourself isn't it to yeah possibilities rather than kind of living in your in your yeah I mean the zone. thing is I think my team it's about teamwork really you know my friends were my team and they knew me and they knew what my capabilities were they knew I could be fit enough and they also trusted that I would listen to their experience and guidance on the mountain and so even though I didn't have the correct experience I had the right attitude the fitness and the kind of crucially those guys around me who knew what did know what they were doing Mm. you know I was able to make it happen so I think that can relate to lots of things I think sometimes you know even when you don't know what you're doing or if you feel quite lost, surround yourself with a team of people who do know what they're doing and people who believe in you. It's mm-hmm. really powerful. Certainly started my journey. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like that. And I think that, you know, from starting off at that point and then having this continuation of, you know, experiencing that and wanting to do it more, what what was there a sort of a point for you where you thought, this is what I just want to do and, you know, and that's it I don't want to do anything else or how did that evolve for you yeah so I knew that I absolutely loved it 
And like a lot of things in life, when it's our passion or, you know, if we go on these trips, we want to do it all the time. But I had no idea how to turn it into a into a job or what I was going to do. And certainly when I began, you know, I wasn't a celebrity. I wasn't a top athlete winning at everything. So I didn't really have the um, the weight behind me to get sponsorship or attention for it or to get paid to do these things. So I kind of spent my 20s figuring it out and I was doing event work and ski seasons and I was basically earning money. Then I'd stop for an amount of time, go off and do one of these trips and then come back again. And I think I was lucky in that I, I was working in a bar in France and a photographer came in and he was a friend of a friend and I got to know him and he said, you know, I need um, somebody to do the sports modeling for me. And he said, you can't own any of the photos, but I can give you a really great portfolio if you work with me in the day and we do these photos. And he said, and with those photos, you can go to different brands and sponsors. So I was like, oh, OK, then. Right. That's that sounds good. So I was working with him. So I'd got amazing photographs of doing these uh, different outdoor pursuits, which was great. And then. I kind of I came up with this idea that I um, well, I, I'll backtrack a little bit. When I after Aconcagua, we went to a mountain called Mustagata and we decided to take our skis and snowboards on that mountain because we found it quite tedious coming down on descent on foot from the summit of Aconcagua. So we took our skis and snowboards and we made a short film about it. And the film um, did quite well at the film festivals and we got quite a bit of attention. People were saying to me, and it wasn't just sort of friends and family, other people were saying, Squash, you know, you're quite good in front of the camera and you obviously know how to film things. So it kind of gave me a sort of a bit of inspiration and insight into the fact that maybe I could film my expeditions, maybe I could do that, but still I hadn't quite worked out how to make it all work. But the pieces yeah. were sort of slowly coming together. And then when we climbed Chaoyu, which is a bigger peak than Mustagata. This was an 8,000 metre mountain. One of my friends, she wanted to be the first British woman to ski an 8,000 metre peak. And I didn't have any intention to do that. I didn't want to take my snowboard on the mountain. But that's when a friend of mine, as a joke before I left, gave me a pink snowboard, uh, sorry, a pink bum board. So a bum board is a little pink plastic set. That your kids will probably have. Okay. I know what was that. I was so fascinated. I think, what is oh, this? Oh, yes, bumper? I know what you mean now. Yeah, it is exactly what you think. You know, you sit on it and you hold the handle between yes. your legs. So he gave me this just as I was leaving and it was all quite funny. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to take that just as a joke. <laughs> it's easy to carry. I could just attach it to the back of my backpack. So I took this bum board with me and obviously got a few strange looks from other climbers because it's not really the done thing, is it? But I wasn't really too worried about the done thing on mountains. And um, yeah, I ended up becoming the world's highest ever bum border, which of course was just a joke, but it, that actually became the hook that told the story. Yeah. And, you know, people were interested. So we made another film about this mountain, just a short film. Um, so things were gaining momentum in that way. And then after Chawoyu, I didn't really know what I wanted to do next. And I suppose an obvious step would have been Everest, but it wasn't really on my radar. Everest was definitely something other people did. And and it, it wasn't really for me, but a guy on the Chawoyu trip had planted a seed in my mind. He said to me, Squash, you know, I think you're strong enough to climb Mount Everest. And I sort of thanked him at the time, but didn't really take it too seriously. But obviously it had gone in. And um, after the Chawoyu trip, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I realised that I'd got these ideas in my head from years before. When I was 18, I'd done a ski season. I'd seen Mont Blanc and I wanted to climb it. I hadn't yet climbed that mountain. In my early 20s, I learned to ride a motorbike. Well, I, I already knew how to ride a motorbike from being on the farm. I'd done my motorbike test. And when I passed, I thought, oh, it'd be great to ride a motorbike to the south of France. It'd be quite a cool thing to do. And then a few years later, when I was working at a B&B &B in the summer in Annecy in France, 
in ex- I was working in exchange for paragliding lessons. I'd learned to paraglide. And when I was paragliding, I thought, oh, this is a cool way to get down from a big mountain. So I had these kind of dreams rolling around in the back of my mind. And I thought, well, I know I can ride a motorbike from England to the foot of Mont Blanc in the south of France. When I get there, I can climb the mountain. If I get to the top, well, I can jump off. So obviously, yeah, like, you do. Know, natural like you. way of thinking. Yeah, and that's what I'm telling the people about it. I love that. I, I mean, Tom Cruise yeah, might think that in Mission Impossible, yeah. but, you know, me and Sibby might not <laughs> consider that. I wish know? I thought that. <laughs> that. That was kind of my way of thinking. And, and yeah, I was getting a lot of you're mad. You can't do something like that. I love but it. I, um, Amazing. I contacted the guy who taught me to paraglide and he had summited Mont Blanc years before and he was into lots of different sports and adventures. And I, I had a feeling he'd agree to do it with me and he did. And I'd say at this point, like this is something that's quite relatable to everyday things. You know, sometimes when you have these ideas, you, you only need one person to believe in you, mm. to work with you. And that person can even be yourself. But, you know, we decided that we were going to sort of drown out what everyone else was saying. I wasn't going to listen to that. And we were just going to find a way. And um, I didn't have any money and I didn't have a motorbike because I'd sold my motorbike to climb Chawoyu the year before. And I didn't have the right paragliding wing. I needed a lightweight mountain wing and mine was just a standard paragliding wing. So I didn't have those things and I I didn't have any money. So um, that's when I had to get a bit creative about things. And obviously I'd got um, this great portfolio of photos and I'd done a little bit of filming. So I took myself to see BMW and I said to them, look, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And actually the BBC are behind the trip and Ozone Paragliders and definitely going to be able to do it. And then I went to see the BBC and I said, look, this is who I am. This is what I do. BMW <laughs> are behind the trip. Oh, that's and awesome. and it's all organised. and I'm definitely going to be able to do it. And against all odds, really, um, with just there was just a few days to go before I was due to leave. BMW said to me, OK, we're going to lend you a motorbike for four weeks. Ozone Paragliders agreed to loan me this lightweight paraglider. And the BBC were very sort of standoffish and said, you know, we can't really have anything to do with this because of health and safety reasons but we can lend you a video camera and see how you get on and I think off I went delighted that I'd got everything and I was with her that is very creative yeah (laughs) and and it actually took we gave ourselves a month I think you've got to give yourself like it's when you're working in changing and adverse environments like it's great to have a plan but it's good to give yourself time to work out when the plan doesn't doesn't probably work out as you think and it didn't so it's good we had a month because it, it was three attempts until we actually managed to finally climb the mountain and and get to the top and, and then fly off. And it was two days up and 22 minutes down, which was just incredible. Oh my gosh. Um, wow. And then I found out afterwards I was the first British woman to successfully fly off the top of Mont Blanc. And that's when things really changed for me because the BBC then asked if they could buy the footage that I'd shot. BMW mm-hmm. were delighted because I'd followed through with what I said. Ozone paragliders were also on board. And that's when the sponsorship came. And I was like, ah, okay, this is how I do it. This is how I turn things into yes. how I can make a living. Then I... Then I went and did Everest and that really opened the door on the speaking world, which allowed me to have the speaking as one of the things that I did that, that earned my money. So that's a very, very long answer to your question. No, but no it's, it's pretty awesome. It sort of 10 years evolved and turned into what what I do. Yeah. Well, wow. that's what I was going to ask how, how long you've been doing it. But that, you know, that story is so inspirational. Uh, and, and I love that bit where you said I got a bit creative and yeah you know because we all do we we all hit these blocks sometimes don't we when we're wanting to do something or achieve something and and you do need to be a bit 
creative and a bit flexible and a bit adaptable sometimes and mm. um but I just I just love that story um thank you for sharing that and I'm sure people listening as well yeah feel quite inspired about that it's like it's it's like that belief yeah yeah that's, just that's what I'm gonna do and, and that- then almost like it's a bit like manifesting really isn't it it's kind of like I'm I going it absolutely is yeah. yeah I think you know I have yeah. to remind myself of my own stories quite a lot when I want yeah. to get to a point and don't know how to get there you know, yeah. even with Everest, when I sort of said, yeah, I'm going to do this, because it was actually, I was on the BBC um, regional radio show and the presenter said to me, squash, what's next? This was after Mont Blanc. And I hadn't really said it out loud. And I said out loud, oh, I'd like to climb Mount Everest and fly off the top of that. And, you know, I have a thing that it, the moment we say it out loud is it's a real pivotal moment. Yes. yes. That sort of comes into the whole manifesting. Like I didn't know how I was going to climb Mount Everest mm. at all, but I know I wanted to. Mm. And I just had to remind myself that I'd wanted to fly off the top of Mont Blanc and I didn't know how I was going to do that. But yeah, I think I trusted it and believed it. And I was I didn't hold it too tightly. You know, mm. what was great about the Mont Blanc trip was it didn't matter. I didn't have too many eyes on me. I wasn't, social media wasn't quite what it is today. And yeah. so mm. it, it was fun. You know, I was able to be relaxed about it and things just evolved and opened up and I met the right people along the way at the right time. And, you know, even with the motorbike, a week before the trip, I didn't have everything in place, but just four days before I did. So I think trusting that it'll work out, it's a hard thing to, it's like you have yeah. to hold the nerve. Yeah. Um, I use it, I use it all the time. And, yeah. and I think as well, when things get real close to the deadline and the pressure's on, that's when you do start creating, when you do start your creative thinking and when it really matters. So I, I've learned to trust myself under immense pressure as well. Mm. Way. Mm. Yeah, I, I love that because that trusting thing is the, almost the hardest part of it, isn't yeah. it? Because it's like, it, like you say, not t- not holding too tightly onto it, like kind of declaring it mm. and then allowing things mm. to fall into place but that that that's a real um yeah. a skill in a way isn't it to be able to let go of it like that I think so, what's great is yeah. you have to trust and then we can all find examples of a time when we just did that and it can be yeah. smaller or bigger it can be everyday stuff and I think it's really good to remind yourself of those times yeah. and sit in those feelings that you had around those times mm. and just yeah. allow yourself the space to let yeah. it happen did uh, did BMW let you keep the bike? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I get it was a month slow, but but um, what was amazing was I I did start my relationship with BMW UK after that, and they sponsored me, so I was I had a motorbike for a few years after oh, that, which amazing. was wonderful. That's, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. And didn't you go? Because we we had another guest who Annette um, Annette yes. Berkman, who yes. I met when I was traveling in South America. And she travelled across South America on a motorbike. So when I was reading about you, because you also did that, didn't you? Yeah. So um, one of the things that I did was I um, I did a TV show in America and um, we rode thousands of miles around South America on one of the GS bikes, which was just it was phenomenal. And wow. ja- that was amazing. And I was I was actually thinking about that when I because I was listening to some of your podcasts and I was thinking about oh, when have I had like interesting sort of spiritual moments? Yeah. And one of the things was we were in the Atacama Desert and we met one of the elders from this village, this lady, and she was she blessed the motorbike and me. And this was all it was filmed. It was really funny. She bought she bought all these cans of beer and sweets and she sort of threw the beer and the sweets everywhere and I just remember thinking oh we're gonna have to clean the bike after this like we're in a hot desert there's like beer all over my bike but it was brilliant and it was you know it was it was nice to kind of have that um 
her blessing and safe passage. It was all quite funny at the time, but yeah, that's one of the things we did on the trip. <laughs> Do you know, so cool. I would I don't think I've heard of a blessing with sweets and sweets drinks. And beer. <laughs> I was expecting <laughs> you to say like, you know, sage or yeah, you know, something. Yeah, yeah. I think she might have seen us coming and saw the opportunity <laughs> to tell us she was a wise older and and just got together what she could. That's so funny. <laughs> These fruit pastels will yeah. protect you. <laughs> love it sometimes a placebo effect you've just got to believe it's gonna work well isn't it like it's amazing it's yeah it's funny I was gonna ask you about um because I I've done some traveling and and I I've found I read something about um traveling it's some statistic like one year of traveling is like 10 years of therapy and I remember kind of having done some traveling knowing that to be true like feeling that to be true feeling that I had grown so much you know just from like three or four months of being you know solo traveling kind of thing um but I was going to ask you yeah about um any kind of moments that you've had um where you've felt perhaps like on top of a mountain or maybe I don't know it could be anywhere where you've really felt that connection with the world with nature where it's been kind of a spiritual or a sublime experience have you got any that come to mind yeah I mean for sure the expeditions because I think what happens is it strips you of like your everyday comforts Mm. you know all the things that we're normally surrounded by all the noise the technology you know it's all gone and I think when you're in these places you know that I've been privileged and lucky enough to go to it's just you your team the mountain and it all comes down to the kind of very simple basics. We need food and water to survive, a community and shelter. Mm-hmm. And I think we can all agree with that. You know, I knew that before I did these expeditions, but to actually experience and live it is really quite powerful mm-hmm. because it gives you an appreciation of just how much these things matter when we're back in the kind of comfort of our home and we've got everything else around us. And I think, yeah, I think it just, that those moments really allowed me to know what mattered to me and what was important because some the decisions that I I made on some of these trips, well, all of them on a mountain, you know, it's life and death. And there's nothing quite like that pressure to focus everything in on what's important, what's mattered, what are you doing, what are your motivations and what you're going to bring out of yourself in those moments. You know, I, I had this thing where before I climbed Everest, I used to say climbing mountains, very physical. And then when the physical side runs out, you're absolutely exhausted. There's nothing left. You go into your kind of mental place and it's in your head and you find these um, I used to describe them as doors and I'd open another door and I'd find a bit more and I'd keep pushing forward and I'd find the next step. And that was kind of my experience of it. And when I went to Everest, by far the toughest and hardest thing I've ever done in my life was Everest Summit Day. And when I was after I'd summited and was on my way back down, which, of course, is the significantly harder part because the summit's only halfway there. It's that getting down that's the the dangerous bit and the bit where you're pushing to your absolute limits and getting back. I ran out physically, I was exhausted. I'd gone into the mental zone and I ran out mentally and I was done. And then I there was this whole new level and it was total emotion. And I remember it was like I had this, it wasn't really like an out of body experience, but I, I felt very um, separated from everything. And I remember just feeling complete love. And I felt the love that my family and friends had for me and the love that I had for them. And I was just like, right, I'm getting back. Like I'm getting back down because I have to say that those there was four hours before I reached the high camp after the summit where I didn't know if I was going to make it. Mm-hmm. And it's really it sounds a bit cheesy saying it now, but when you're in that moment and your life depends on it, 
that was all there was. There was just this love. And I could hear my mum's voice in my head telling me I was strong. Mm. And I was imagining my friend's leg strength in my legs. And it was so emotional. And I remember the first glimpse I had of Camp 4, and I knew I was going to make it. I kind of, I just fell to my knees and wept. And that was like, that was the most powerful, unbelievable moment, I think. Wow. Gosh, that's making me really <laughs> goosebumpy. And I can, yeah. It's, yeah, I'm a bit. <laughs> you know, I think, I think the moment that most people can relate to where they have that is probably with childbirth and probably you We're know talking about that this morning yeah yeah <laughs> you know every, every mother no like people used to say to me who's your hero who's your inspiration and up until I had my daughter I'd say oh this person that person and I'm just like every woman yeah. every mother yeah I mean it's talking, talking about sort of the the carrying on when you literally have you've got nothing, nothing left, left mm. but you have to and yes yes yeah. and you do gain a respect I think there's like a respect a respect and a kind of um a sisterhood with other mothers which I which I mm. I found certainly yeah after going mm. through that it's um it's an endurance that is is beyond explanation really isn't yeah. it yeah. <laughs> perhaps unless you've climbed a mountain yeah. well yeah <laughs> but it's interesting isn't it when you when you talk about sort of when the physical strength has gone and then mm. you know the mental something gone takes and, over and it, it's almost like when those other you know, if you think about the four bodies, the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, you're kind of just left with the spiritual. Mm. That's where you can have these really huge moments yeah. where it, you realise you, you, you're this tiny pin drop. But even though you're this tiny pin drop, you can have everything within that tiny pin drop that you're seeing mm. around you as well. It, it's a it's a combination of I'm really small, but I'm really mighty all rolled into one. Yeah. And I know when I've reached my you know, obviously not from climbing a mountain, but from being a parent mostly, when I've got hit that point where I'm like, I've literally got nothing and I'm, or I've been pushing in the wrong direction or I've got something wrong or I'm beating myself up or, you know, mm. and everything else goes, you know, I've, I've felt humbled quite a few times in my life, literally where I've fallen to my knees and sort mm. of said, yeah. I give up, you win, that kind of level we can reach it with work with exercise yeah. I think everybody in their career if they if they have a job to do and sometimes it feels just too big and too much and they can't yeah. do it and they get through a project and you work with your team and you have that euphoric feeling afterwards and I think yes. you know a really simple way to achieve it for anyone is through exercise mm. you know if you're not a runner and you do couch to 5k it's massive mm. and the physical place it puts your body in which then becomes mental and then can become emotional yeah no, I think I think we can all reach it that way yes mm. yeah there's yeah. A, there's that breakthrough energy isn't there that mm. that's what happened to me in the end I kind of had this breakthrough energy but yeah I think that you know I would definitely like to embrace more of the physical um and I think a lot of people uh, potentially aren't as active or physical as we should be or we sh you know unless mm. unless you're doing you know your sort of thing that you that you're doing I know obviously you're very physical hard isn't it it's, it's yeah it's to squeeze out the routine when when there's no time I think a good a good way to do it is to is to join a club you know and I mean in Derby mm. I know there's the Jolly Joggers they're in they're in Borowash and they're absolutely brilliant Nicola who runs it is phenomenal and she is free you can just join and I think mm. getting together with the community and having that commitment of saying yes. well I'll go on this mm. night I'll do that is really powerful and it actually moves us to do it and I think if you commit to something Tell people out loud that you're going to do it and commit to a park run or a race. You know, it doesn't everything's relative. So it doesn't matter if it's 
as big as Everest or if it's a 5k park run it it all is significant and matters mm, yeah I think setting the intention saying it out loud committing to other people entering into a race having a goal with it is a really powerful way to get it done because I think if we have a loose kind of idea that I'm going to do more running it's not really tangible we don't get on board with it and I think yeah. to also prioritize ourselves and to say this this is important this matters and actually, I'm no good to anyone else if I'm not in my strongest, best state. And to yeah. have the discipline to then do that. And I think, you'll, you know, we model it to our children as well. You know, yeah. my daughter sees me working out and I'll say to her, it's important mummy does this because it, it keeps me feeling well. It's good for my mind. It's good for my body. And when I'm doing my exercises, she'll join in if she's here or she'll watch me. And I think all subliminally it's going in. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're physical, you know, we're, we are spiritual beings, but we are in a physical body and it is all linked, isn't it? You know, the, yeah. the spirituality, you know, we can only experience that if to its full working. extent, <laughs> if everything is working here, isn't it? And and here, but um, I was just thinking also that, that going back to what you described, um, that, that that love was what you got you through and I just I think that's so powerful because mm. I I even was saying we were I was talking to my husband last night about how I feel the world's going and we we talk about it a lot on this podcast that you know the stuff that is no longer useful or healthy or whatever feels like it's kind of crumbling and falling away and that we're trying to get beyond that um yeah. in in the world you know um with ourselves like vibrationally um but I was saying to to him you know really when you think about it love is it you know lo love is kind of love is the energy that we all need you know if that was our vibration I think, when, more, I think there's a know. tendency to feel quite helpless isn't there yeah I think when we see the news and we see all these things I think what can I do what can I do and and definitely for me the answer is be the best version of yourself and love people because yeah. I think the, really it has an effect not only on yourself but on the people that you give it to I know when I've received unconditional love it's incredible yeah. and also to give unconditional love you know and, and it can be it can be really smaller acts you know just smiling at people just being mm -hmm. kind to people giving someone a, some homemade chocolate or some homemade food you know something that's taken care and time it's 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 really powerful stuff mm. and and go and I suppose with the we were saying about physical and moving your body and looking after yourself giving yourself I know self-love is thrown around a lot but it really it really is part of it isn't it yeah like mm -hmm. you're saying you can't look after other people and be the best version of yourself can you if you don't actually you know love yourself as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um I wanted to just ask you as well just before because I'm just aware of time but um, you know, when you have done your speaking events and, you know, you go and do um, talks and things, has there been any moment that stood out where, you know, somebody's come to you afterwards and said, wow, that's really changed the way I see life or that, you know, have you had any of those sorts of moments from people when you, when you yes, go? Yes, I have. And it's it's really nice. I get um, people coming up to me after a talk and telling me how it's moved them or how it's, how it's made them feel about themselves, which I think is really the aim of it you know it's great mm -hmm. that people come and listen to me but at the end of the day it's more about how they feel about themselves and what it motivates or inspires them to do mm. and I've had people um climb mountains after they've wow. come to talk, they've stayed in touch or they've asked me how to get into things or I had one guy who who did a motorbike trip had people enter races and yeah sometimes years after a trip I'll get an email or a message saying that and it's always of course it's lovely to hear it and it's lovely to hear 
how people have been moved. I, I've done a, quite a lot of school talks and sometimes um, the pupils will get in touch as well. Mm. Say things yeah. and, and things that they've been inspired to do, which is wonderful. That is wonderful. Isn't it is, it? especially when you get a chance to hear some of that, because we don't always we don't always realise the impact we make, do we? regardless no. of, of the level we don't always hear those stories that come back and so mm. yeah to hear a few of those that's incredible yeah just inspiring people really with yeah. um, with what you do I'm sure people listening will be inspired as I well I know I know we should um we should start something local shouldn't we yes. maybe start off with the, the the couch to 5k work up towards I have the been considering the couch <laughs> to 5k and you've kind of given me a little yes. nudge there squash because I have been considering it mm-hmm you're absolutely right. Just find it, find your team. Yeah. If you have an idea yeah. to do something, but it feels daunting, difficult, find somebody that that can help you, that believes in you and that's one step ahead. And so I guess it's the same with spirituality or the journey, you know, the energy journeys yeah. we're on. Find somebody that can kind of lead you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important, isn't it? Because it's it's that, you know, we're not an island. We we need we need those people around us. Um and the right people. Yeah. Definitely. That's right how our people. podcast got started, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I, I just think that, you know, from your story and what you've shared, it, there are so many kind of meant to be moments. You you could interpret it like that and those synchronicities and things, that, how things unfolded alongside, obviously, your creativity and the way that you've pushed and driven. Um, you know. No, I think you're right. I think lots of things happened along the way that I was prepared to listen to. And there were amazing coincidences, if you want to yeah. believe that they're coincidences. Now, I've started to think now things just I, I have a deep trust that things will work out how they're meant to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we like that on Whispers yeah. of the Soul. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for joining us. And um, we'll put some notes, obviously, in the show notes, we'll put some information about yourself and um, people can, yeah, Thank check you. out. Easily find me on social media and through my website. And I, I welcome anyone who's got any questions or wants to chat about anything. I'll, I'll always reply and get back to you. Oh, amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you Thank so you. much, Squash. It's been awesome. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thanks for listening. So if you would like to connect to us elsewhere in the multiverse, well, you can. You can find me, Sally, at thecreativeview.co.uk or on Instagram as the.creative.u. For Sibby, her website is healingrights.com and she's also on Instagram as Sibby Rights. Lots of love. See you soon.